2 Corinthians this morning. All right. Had a beautiful two days of yard sale. Went real well. Very thankful. Helps our youth fund. And uh, fairs coming up, things like that. So we have to think about that. All right. 2 Corinthians this morning. Chapter 5. I'd like to begin with verse 17 of chapter 5. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold or look. All things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 in particular this morning, to wit that God was in Christ. You might think of to wit as the word since, since that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Everybody said praise the Lord. I simply want to work this morning for a little while on reconciliation. Reconciliation. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. A simple definition for the word reconcile or reconciliation is a bringing back together. Now, the Bible, of course, teaches that all have sinned and all have fallen short of glory. I, there was only one perfect man, and I never got to meet him in the flesh, and that was Jesus Christ. But um, the rest of us have fallen short, and uh, we've all been concluded under sin, and consequently, the Bible teaches that it sins that separated us from God. And so in that separation, then here comes the great eternal God who is a spirit. Please always remember that. It's right straight from your Bible. God is a spirit, okay? So he's not, don't think of him in some human form. When you think of the human form, then you're referring to the flesh that Mary produced because the Spirit overshadowed her and spoke the word, and that which was conceived in her was of his Holy Spirit by him speaking the word, just as he said in Genesis, let there be light, and there was light, and many other things, uh, dividing of the earth and the sun, the moon, the stars, and so on and so forth. All the things that God did in the creation act, he spoke it into existence, and it was. And so it is that the eternal God, who is a spirit, invisible, 
Uh, and no man has seen him at any time, neither can see him. And the Bible teaches that he chose to come visibly. The invisible chose to show himself visibly. And that's why it said here in 2 Corinthians 5 and 19, since God came in the flesh. That is, since God <laughs> was in Christ or in the flesh, okay? And that's what you want to get kind of straight in your mind and in your thinking, okay? To wit that God or the Spirit was in Christ or in the flesh. So you've got Spirit in flesh. And the purpose of that was to bring reconciliation or to bring two back together. And that, you know, God is uh, immovable. <laughs> uh, he is forever what he is. And so it is we who were separated. We who sinned separated us from where God is at. And so we got to get back to where God's at. Now I've heard people say, and you've heard the saying, uh, that I'm between the rock and the hard place. Well, then you need to get to the rock. Because there's no rock like our God. And everybody said amen. Give God a big hand. Come on. Amen. So that should, that should help us all out when we feel like we're out of sorts and we're pulled in different directions. Uh, then you need to remember that, that God is God and he is the rock. And Jesus made it clear, that is the flesh, made it clear uh, in Matthew 16, 16 through 18, that upon this rock, this revelation of who God is and who the Christ is and who the truth is, he said, I'll build my church. And so uh, what you find is that you've got a strong correlation there and connection between the rock or the revelation of the Christ and the church. And that he said the gates of hell would not prevail against that. There's going to be a mounting up of pressure and of opposition. And the enemy's going to try to do everything he can to separate you from the rock. So here we find ourselves, as we say, between the rock and the hard place. Well, you know, the Bible said the way of the transgressor is hard. And so we've got to get honest with ourselves and realize that uh, we're drifting into uh, transgression. We're finding ourselves going in the wrong direction and uh, participating in wrong things and consequently uh, we're moved away from what the Bible tells us not to be moved away from, and that's the rock. So if we're between the rock and the hard place, then we got to start moving towards the rock. And the thing that's going to reconcile us or bring us back to the rock is what we're talking about this morning. And that's why the Almighty God, who is invisible and who is a spirit and chose through the kindness and his loving spirit, to show himself visibly, speaking the word over Mary, and she brought forth that flesh, that child. And so the Bible teaches that the word that was God was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so from there, that flesh grew in grace and knowledge and came to the time when he would be shown to Israel and at that time in which he lived and the place he lived. And that taking place then the revelation came through Peter that day and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, of course, he 
told them to kind of keep that to themselves because his time had not yet come, meaning his time of crucifixion, his time of the passion. And so up to that point, he went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. There were times when he had to show his divine authority, get a little rough. Uh, he did tip over table. He did make a whip and uh, drove people out of the church house because they were doing the wrong stuff. Their attitude wasn't right, and they were becoming a hindrance. And that was most unfortunate, especially for them. But then here we have, and we have hope. We have an olive branch, is the old saying, that's being held out, and that is that uh, he wants to bring peace. All right? Now let's read a little bit in the Scripture this morning. Everybody said hallelujah. I'd like to turn to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. <clears throat> and I'd like to read here. And once again, we have uh, reference to what was in the flesh. And that is in Colossians 1 and 19, for it pleased the Father, or it pleased the Spirit, that in Him, that is, in the flesh, in the Christ, or as you also know Him as the Son, should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. So it's his intention to bring people back. For God, that is the Spirit, so loved the world that he gave that flesh. The Spirit gave the flesh. Everybody said amen. Okay, if you can get that human thinking, that natural thinking, and, and get rid of that, and you won't think of God, who is our Father, who is a spirit, as some human form person, which he is not, until he chose to speak the word over Mary and produce that flesh. And then that flesh, the Bible said it pleased the spirit to dwell in that flesh to the fullness. Okay, hence... The Bible said, to wit that God, the Spirit, was in Christ, the Son, or the flesh. Okay? And therein lies your revelation. And if you have trouble with that, just pray and ask God to open your understanding to it. But it is a very great revelation. And this world does not have it. This religious world does not have it. And people who play around and keep going towards the hard place instead of towards the place of peace, the rock, then they're going to lose revelation that they have had and become as others, even as Samuel Samson did when he got to messing around with, with worldly things to the point that he, he cut off and let go of the, the things that he needed in his life. He, you know, you need prayer. We all do. You need the church. We all do. You need worship. We all do. You need, we need this word of God. We all do, okay? These are things that we need. And when, when, um, when Samson lost his secret, then unfortunately he found himself without vision. He found himself wandering in circles. He found himself grumpy and grousy and in bad shape. But then the Bible teaches that he began to pray again as his, uh, shall we say, his consecration began to return to him. And as he began 
in the kind of uh, mess he found himself, evidently he began to pray again, and he began to talk to God, and, and his strength began to come back to him. And he prayed, and he asked God, as, they, they, as the world will always do, make fun, make sport, and mock. And he found himself in that situation. And then he found himself amongst them, and he asked God to give him strength this one last time, and God did. So it actually ended up with a good ending because uh, Samson's strength returned to him. There was a renewal, and we thank God for that because God knows how to reconcile us, doesn't he? He knows how to bring us back to himself and, and get us to return unto him. And I said again in the beginning, it's us who need to return to him. He, he doesn't need to be moved at all. He's fixed. He's right. And he, he is the uh, definitely the, the ancient of days. So he's the ancient landmark of all. And, and where he's at from him, everything is established. He is God. And everybody said amen. And so we don't want to wind up again in indifference with God and, and taking odds with God and, and uh, you know, just finding all kinds of complaints and critiques against God. We don't want that. We, we want to have peace. And that's why the Spirit spoke the word over Mary, produced that flesh, and when the time was come, then that flesh going about doing good healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. Then the time came where he, the flesh, steadfastly, determinedly set himself towards Jerusalem and headed on up to uh, give himself to lay down his life on the cross and to shed the blood of God that everybody could come to a place of peace if they would, you know. And Jesus over and over again told people that had need in their lives, only believe, only believe. I'm speaking to you, only believe. And so those that did, well, then they had, they had beautiful miracles in their lives. They had beautiful turnarounds. So listen closely again, for it pleased the Spirit that in him, that is the flesh, should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile or bring back all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you, everybody said me, and you that were sometimes, sometimes alienated. You were foreigners. You were strangers. You were cut off and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now hath he reconciled. So here we have, again, a bringing back. And in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If, and there's a very important word, if, in other words, we can be, um, we can be unblameable and we can be unreprovable, we can be holy if we continue in the faith. The faith in this context and there are times when the Bible uses it this way. It's talking about a fixed, firm set of beliefs. Okay? It is the way that God ordained for his body of believers, the church of which he is the invisible head. Now on each local congregation, the pastor is the visible head. But Jesus is the invisible head of the overall body of Christ. 
and and what you want to see is that there we have to be in the faith. We've got to be coordinating and working with these fixed, firm set of beliefs. No wonder, um, isn't it Jude's writing that he he talked about the faith? And this is not just your having faith and believing and putting trust, but this is this is having faith in the faith. <laughs> this is having a fixed, firm uh, believing in the things that are fixed and firm in the body of Christ. And so we look to the Word of God for how we are to live our lives. When you read uh, the beginning of your Bible in the New Testament, we'll say, okay, because that's the time in which we're living, Tom. That's the time in which we're living. Then you, you want to realize that we have uh, come from somewhere. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four accounts of the one gospel. And this is where the man Christ Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. And as he went about dealing with people who were living under the law, okay? And that's what your Bible teaches, that he was made, the flesh was made under the law, to redeem them or to save them from being under the law. Because the Bible teaches that the law was death. Okay? But he came to bring life and to give it to you more abundantly. And so as he went about doing all these good things among people that were separated from the Spirit of God by sin and by disobedience and other similar things, synonyms and terms, then here we have him leading them to an experience. He's telling them. He never told them to accept him as their personal Savior. He never told them to sign a card or shake a hand or say, me too. But he did tell them to receive ye the Holy Ghost. And in teaching about the gift of the Holy Ghost, that he said would come when he would leave. That is, the body would leave. The visible would leave because he would give his life on the cross. He would be crucified. And that on the third day, he would rise again from the dead. And so he did. And upon rising again from the dead, he then showed himself alive with many infallible proofs. And he would, they would be in a, uh, a meeting like this, and he would all suddenly appear, and they, he would allow them to see him. And he would talk with them. Even in one place, he ate with them. And he told, one man made a statement about me. He said he didn't believe that I existed. He said I was just a, a ghost, a spirit. And so I showed up at his little conference get-together, and when I went to the door and he was standing there, I put my hand out to shake his hand, I said, handle me. A spirit hath not flesh and blood as you see me have. Well, he got the message right away, and he cracked up laughing. So anyway, Jesus came in their midst, and he said that. He said, handle me and see if a spirit hath not flesh and blood as you see me have. Okay? So, uh, or I should say flesh and body as you see me have. And so that's what Jesus, because he'd already shed the blood, right? So that's what Jesus 
manifested himself and showed himself among them after the resurrection. Many infallible proofs. And then leading them out, the Bible teaches, into the Mount of Olives. Then he began to tell them last-minute instructions. He told them that repentance and remission of sins would be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So it wasn't for one nation. It was for all nations. It was for everybody. Because God so loved the world. And he wanted everybody to be reconciled. He wanted everybody to come back and have fellowship with him. He didn't want them to be aliens and foreigners from him anymore or estranged from him anymore. He wanted to reconcile them, bring them back into fellowship with him. He wanted them to have peace. He wanted them to be holy. And so the Bible teaches that he, Jesus, sending them to Jerusalem. It was about a half a mile's journey, approximately, plus or minus. And they went from the Mount of Olives down to Jerusalem. And there they assembled in the upper room. And assembling there, they began to praise and they began to worship him because he told them that they were to wait for the promise of the Spirit. And he told them after that, the Spirit or the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, would come upon them he said that they would receive power to become witnesses unto him in all the area around them and even to the uttermost part of the earth. And so as they gathered together, then the Bible teaches on that seventh day of worship that there came a sound from heaven, rushing mighty wind, filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They all began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. Yesterday I learned my first words in Bengali. The guy was nice enough to write it down for me so I can practice it because I'll forget it about five minutes after I, he tells it to me. And I'll have to go back over it again. But I'm saying there were those who spoke in languages that they did not know naturally. They had not been taught them. They had not gone to any school or college or higher learning institution and studied the different languages that hadn't happened. And yet God gave them the ability to speak in other languages as he filled them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And um, this was the part of the miracle as the people all around the upper room down in the streets heard them speaking in these other languages and they were, some of them were speaking in the language of people that were visiting there. And they wondered and marveled how this could be. And of course, there's always going to be mockers. There's always going to be those that are making issue and making fun and, and just wrestling with things, you know. And, and they, they, they called them drunk. And when Peter spoke up, because the Holy Ghost began to speak through him to preach the first sermon on the first day of the only church that Jesus ever built and started, then Peter begin to tell them they're not drunk like you think they are. They're, this is new wine. This comes from heaven. This is the Holy Ghost. This is the glory of God. Amen and amen and amen. And so uh, when Peter got done preaching, then the Bible teaches that they, the people asked and they said, okay, what's the next step? What do we do? You've told us to believe. How do we believe? And therein really lies the question, doesn't it? How do you believe? 
And the Bible teaches you believe by doing what the Scripture said. And the Scripture said, repent. And if you don't do that, you're going to perish. So we repent. That's what everybody has to do. Never said to accept Him as your personal Savior. Never said to sign a card. Okay? But it did say to repent. And then it did say to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And all your sins would be completely forgiven, washed away, and remembered no more. What a deal, huh? And then you would receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost. Being baptized in water in Jesus' name, being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, is what Jesus termed the born-again experience of water and of the Spirit. And so it was not negotiable. It was not if you felt like it. This was a must. You have to do this. This is what he said is a requirement if you plan on making heaven your home. And to do that, you've got to get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And to do that, it's got to be recorded by God that this or that man was born, again, if you please, in the church. Okay? Everybody said praise the Lord. Well, let's give God a big hand. Come on. And that taking place in your life, that brings you through the book of Acts. Okay, that's where the church went forth. It was birthed and it went forth into all the known world preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And in doing that, then the Bible teaches that new congregations begin to spring up in different parts of the known world as God's Spirit led them to go to different places and even sometimes prevented them from going to certain places. And I suppose that was a matter of timing. Because he's not going to return. One of, the, one of the deals, one of the things that has to be accomplished and done before he returns for the church, for the body of Christ, is that when this gospel, this gospel has been preached as a witness to all nations, and then shall the end come. So sometimes it's a matter of timing before God lets the church to go into a certain area or a certain place. <clears throat> and so as they went, though, into those areas that the Holy Ghost bid them to go, and they begin to establish pockets of believers, and then the Bible teaches that this is where we got the book of Romans all the way through to the book of Revelation. And these are writings to the already saved. Writings to those that have experienced the born-again experience of water and of the Spirit. Those that have been baptized in Jesus' name. and Those that have been filled with the gift of the Holy Those that become a part of a congregation with a, a messenger or an angel over the church or the local congregation in whatever area we're talking about. And so that taking place, then that's the teachings that begin to be given to these congregations so that they'll have the faith. And as Jude said, I'm, I'm, I'm earnestly contending for the faith, for the set of beliefs. Okay? So if Paul walks in the door, well, that would be a miracle, but if Paul walks in the door, you know, and I sit down and he preaches, he's going to preach the same thing I was preaching, or vice versa. Because we earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints or to the body of Christ. Everybody said amen. So this year, 
I'm going to, by God's grace, uh, declare that we're going to have a theme for our conference, and it's going to be 2,000 years plus or minus of the truth. The truth. And that's what we've been given, the truth of Jesus Christ. And we've been reconciled to him who is the truth. We've been brought back from sin in the horrible pit and the miry clay and the wrong kind of... You know, one place in the translation, uh, another version, talked about our hostile attitude. That's the phrase it used, our hostile attitude. And we've been saved, church family. We've been delivered from that. Uh, our hearts have been changed. You know, I had a man tell me the other day, he said that when, when he, I believe he said when he got the Holy Ghost or got repentant, he said he heard in his heart. And I said, you might want to reposition your hand here. That's your spiritual heart. That's the seat of your thoughts and your intellect and your emotions. Well, he being stubborn, he said, well, I hurt here. Well, you know what? If you have a problem here, you might hurt here. <laughs> That's what they call a heart attack. You know. So if this gets upset enough and stressed out enough, it can trigger a natural heart attack, can it? Everybody said amen? All right. So it's important, though, to get kind of things straight spiritually. You get in the Bible and people want to apply natural terms and natural thinking to spiritual precepts, and it doesn't work. It's incompatible. But we've got to learn how God does things. And everybody said amen. And so this beautiful body of Christ that's founded upon the rock, the revelation of who he is. And I, I was one time between the rock and the hard place. And I was drifting towards the hard place. I was in sin. And I was getting deeper in sin. I was sinking into the miry clay of sin. And I was drifting further and further away from the rock. But by his grace and his loving kindness, that day came when the Lord reconciled me. He reconciled me to himself. And... Uh, to wit that God, the Spirit, was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. And how kind and gracious an experience that is. When we know, as that translation, that version said, we know that we had that hostile attitude. We know that we were sinners without God. We know that we were in transgression. We know that we were, you know, in a hard place. And that God reached out, and he began a process of reconciliation. And, you know, that's what uh, he has given to the church. He's given to the church the ministry of reconciliation. So you can be a part, and the Bible even called it the ministry of the saints. And that is that Acts 1 and 5. After that, you receive, and, and 1 and 8 also, that you have received the Holy Ghost. He said, you'll be baptized with it not many days hence. And he said, and after that, you are baptized with the Holy Ghost. You will receive power to be a witness, you know, a power witness. And that you can, you can bring this message. You can tell people about it. You can witness to people. You can share with people. And by God's grace, you can win souls 
to the body of Christ. And, and in do, doing that, you're, you're an ambassador. You represent the church. So the things you say, how by whatever way you say them, uh, and everything about you, your body language, everything, your speech, wasn't it written? I was telling somebody just recently, Peter uh, was told that I, thy speech gives you away. You know, it, it's, it's showing what's in your heart. And, and uh, then there's body language, <laughs> you know. And so uh, we want everything to gel together and work together. And didn't the Bible say that we'd be of the same mind and the same spirit as the body of Christ? That we'd work together as ambassadors for Christ. That we would rep him, we would be representatives of Jesus Christ. And that we consequently would be able to bring the message to a lost and a dying world. Consequently, we could bring them back to Jesus. And everybody said amen. And that's how it was for us. We were, we were gone astray. We were definitely away from God. And uh, by His grace and by His favor, we came back to Him. We were brought back to Him by this ministry of reconciliation. Everybody said hallelujah. That bringing back, how beautiful that is. In uh, Romans chapter 11, I would like to also, when you turn to Romans chapter 11, I'm going to, uh, well, I'll tell you what, we'll just save that for a minute. Romans chapter 11. Now, Romans 9, 10, and 11 are three chapters that deal with the falling away. There are people that believe that the falling away is yet to come, but that's not subject matter. Uh, the Bible teaches that Jesus, as Simeon, held that baby up in his arms and said to the Spirit, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy Christ. And uh, at that moment, he was, he was making it clear and did make it clear in Luke 2.49 and, and right in that area, verse above and below, that um, this child is set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel. And so... As you read Romans 9, 10, and 11, then that's what you're going to read about. You're going to read about the fall. Some of the branches, the Israel was likened unto a natural olive tree, and that some of the branches were broken off, and they were broken off because of unbelief. And again, I say unto you, Jesus said, only believe. Believe what I'm telling you. You know, believe what I'm telling you. And so uh, those that believed had dead raised. Those that believed had blind eyes opened. Those that believed had their hearing restored or, or their string of their tongue loose so that they could speak properly. And many other such like wonderful things. One individual had a problem at home and a devil. And, uh, but the Bible said that, that Jesus said because of your faith, because you're believing. He said, go on home, everything will be all right. 
And it was. And that person wasn't even Jewish. That person was an outsider. That person was even called a dog. And that Jesus was basically saying, you know, that's pretty rough language to call somebody a dog, you know. And uh, Jesus, Jesus said, it's not right for me to give the children's bread, meaning the bread that belongs to the Jewish. It's not right for me to give that to the people who aren't Jewish. In other words, he said to the dogs. And boy, she didn't take any offense. Her, her need was so great, you know, and her faith was so steadfast and great that she just said, truth, Lord. She said, but in my word, she said, I'll settle for the crumbs that fall from the children's table, knowing that there's a miracle in the crumb. <laughs> and he marveled at her faith. Just bulldog-like. I'm not, I'm not going to... I'm not going to drift away into transgression. And I'm not going to continue to live between the rock and the harp. I'm coming to you, Jesus. I'm going to, isn't there a song, I go to the rock? I'm going to the rock. I'm going to you, Jesus. And boy, he took care of the business, didn't he? He sure did. God's not going to turn away a broken and a contrite spirit, a faith spirit, one somebody that's believing. So how about having a little faith in the faith? Have a little faith in the faith. There are things that I had never seen when I came to the church. I made it clear. I said I felt like I was sitting in the center field bleachers of Yankee Stadium. That's what I likened it to. Because people were hands up and screaming and hollering. and Well, that's what you did when somebody hit a home run or something, you know. <laughs> and I'm watching people... Get all excited, but they were saying, praise the Lord, <laughs> and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, this is really different. This is really different. And uh, so, uh, Artie, come here. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Give God a big hand. So, I am saying that it was all different. It was really different. And uh, strange and odd and weird. <laughs> and I remember uh, walking out with my wife. She wasn't Senior Sister Feld at that time. <laughs> and, uh, and I wasn't Pastor Feld at that time or Senior Pastor or anything else. We were just sinners. And uh, we were strangers. We were alienated. We were, we were between the rock and the hard place. And drifting more and more into the into the hard place and sinking more and more, as I said, into the quicksand of sin and that horrible pit. And but through the kindness and the great love of God, he pulled us out. And I remember saying to her, I said, Boy, what'd you think of that service? And she said, Well, it sure was different. <laughs> Understatement of the year, right? And I, I said, Yeah, you're right. I said, But you know what? I said, They got something I don't have and I want it. And so this, thus it began. And that, you know, I, I started coming. At, I was working with a man that was in the church. He gave me a job. And uh, we were going to have a baby. And uh, times were lean. And so I started working for him. And then I worked another job because couldn't make it on just construction was slow. And uh, so I, I started reading the Bible. 
And I, the Bible just started convicting me of my lifestyle. And uh, one day, I remember the man that witnessed to me, he asked me, what are you doing tonight? And I, I, I knew what he wanted, and I said, why? You want me to come to church tonight? <laughs> and he said, yeah. And I said, okay, I'll come. So I went home, and that's when we went to the first service. Well, then after that, she didn't go anymore. But, you know, I kept going to church, and I kept reading the, we kept reading the Bible together every night. And uh, the, the, the change, just being around the church, not yet baptized, not yet filled with the Holy Ghost, just being in service, just reading the Bible, just being around the right of, and working with somebody that talked about God. And, uh, and he wasn't, you know, he was an ex-gambler. He would, he would go to the horse races every day at 1 o'clock. He would, he would just knock off work because he had his own business. And he would just knock off work and he'd go do that sinful stuff. And uh, he told me, he said, I was so addicted to it that uh, he said one day I was in a hurry to make, the, make it to the track by 1 o'clock. He said, and I went flying out of the house we were building. He said, and I tripped going down the front stairs. And he said, and I broke my ankle. He said, but I went to the races before I went to the hospital. Now, I don't know if you've ever broken a bone. Okay. I did. I broke two of them. And uh, you're not usually going to want to wait. You want to get to where they're going to make you feel better. You know, but he was so addicted, he just hobbled himself to the car and drove to the racetrack, caught the last three races, and then drove himself to the hospital where they proceeded to set the bone and put a cast on it. So you can get addicted, church family, to the wrong things. You can get in bad habits. You can get a hostile attitude. And you can be full of fight and confusion, war breaks out in your mind just like it broke out in heaven. And uh, But Jesus looked at Israel, whom it was very clear in prophecy that he, what Jesus stands for, the faith, the fixed, firm, set beliefs of the body of Christ, would be cause for some to fall. And they did. They did. Some of the branches were broken off. The Bible said, because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. That's why they just weren't believing. And that was the root of the problem. And unbelief is always at the bottom root of the problem. And so, some of the branches were broken off. And they... Thus, the word fall is used. And as you read Romans chapter 11 and look at it with me, I like the encouragement that comes in verse 1 of chapter 11 of Romans. I say then, hath God cast away his people? Question. He said, answered it and said, God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. First of all, I'd like to point out that it's not God's fault. It's not the church's fault. It's not the leadership's fault. 
as we read earlier, and you, and I had all of you say me. Everybody said amen? Okay. So that's really just making the, the ditch that you're in, the hole that you're in, deeper when we point our finger at God and we say God did it, God did it, God did it. It's God's fault. God cast us away. But Paul said that's not so. He said God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. He said watch ye not what the scripture saith of Elias. How he maketh intercession to God against Israel saying Lord they have killed thy prophets. Now this is the preacher praying and telling God look what all they've done. They've killed thy prophets. They've digged down thine altars. And I'm left alone. And they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? He said, I have reserved to myself. God said, I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. In other words, they haven't compromised. They haven't gone backwards. I've got people that are living for me. I've got people that love me. I've got people that are faithful. You just need to lift up your head and lift up your eyes. Lift up your heart. You need to get rid of that hostile, unbelieving attitude. Get a good spirit. That's what you need to do. Everybody said hallelujah. So, listen to what he goes on to say. This answer of God. He said, even so then, at this present time. So we were back in the Old Testament with an example. With Elias, now we're in the New Testament. Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. So the distinction is made, isn't it? And it is the grace of God. It is the divine favor of God that we even have the opportunity to be in the, in the church and have salvation. So let's not fight against God. One place it said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. All right? All right. So, he goes on to say, What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David said, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block. We're talking about those that fell, the fall, and a recompense unto them or a reward. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back. Always, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Meaning a final thing? God forbid, but rather through their fall, Salvation has come unto the rest of the world, or the Gentiles, for to provide, provoke them to jealousy. In other words, okay, you know, you think people always, backsliders always think that if they leave, everybody's going to leave and the church is going to fall down and collapse. When the reality is the church is going to go right on and there'll be something for them to come back to if by God's grace they can come back. I had a man... Three years ago, maybe two and a half years ago, 
And he called on the phone, and he said, you know, that he had prayed, and he made up his mind. And he was going where his pastor was going. So I listened to him tell me that two or three times. I gave him examples of why that doesn't work and hasn't worked. But he wasn't hearing it. He wasn't believing. And so I said, okay, I've only got one more thing to say, if that's okay. And he said, yes. Senior pastor, go ahead. And I said, all right. I said, um, what are you going to do, my brother? If you get there and he leaves and his voice got real small and he said, well, senior pastor, could I come back? I cracked up laughing. I said, man, I'm telling you not to go. <laughs> it won't have to be a comeback. Don't go. It's the wrong idea. But I said, yeah, you can come back if God lets you. You know, some people think it's a light switch. You just turn on, turn it on and off, that they're in control. You know? I knew a very strong man in God, a preacher. And he's dead and gone on to heaven. But, uh, and God used him mightily through the years. And as he got old, older, as an old saying, maybe it didn't work like it used to. And, uh, but he got the feeling that he could just flip it on and flip it off. Well, he found out that that wasn't so. That it wasn't so. And I'm telling you, you don't just do what you want to do. You're not calling the shots. And it's best to remember that. And I say that as a warning. Paul said in one place, he said, I spare you. He said, as my beloved sons, I warn you. Everybody said amen. Right in your Bible. So he said, once again, have they stumbled that they should fall, meaning forever? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles or the rest of the world, and it would provoke them to jealousy. In other words, they're going to they're realize that the church goes on. They're going to realize that new people are coming in, you know. Tell you what, I it's amazing though to see generational differences. Genius Feld and I, we uh, we often will talk about the young men that have grown up now to be they're not quite middle aged, they're not that old yet, but they're you know, I'll say hitting into the 30s. The big 3 0 is rolling up on the odometer, you know, it's not the miles, it's not the years, it's the miles, and so. The oldometer's turning, you know, and um, I'm, I'm fighting off the mark of the beast. I've got two sixes, and I don't want a third. <laughs> Everybody said praise the Lord. So uh, we, we often discuss some of our young students, young men in the academy, and young ladies, but particularly the young men, you know, will say, boy, when, when Tom and Patrick and Sal and Chris and Miguel and when they were young people in the, in the, in the school, they were respectful. They would do anything for the church and did. And, and they just flowed 
Not so today. Very different spirit today. You know, very different spirit. And so we have to help our young men. We have to remind them to be respectful. We have to remind them. You know, the Bible said that spirits can get a hold of people and they're not afraid to speak evil of dignities. They're just not afraid to. There's no fear about them to talk back and talk ugly and smart and flippant. I've got a young man I'm fixing to talk to, and I'm going to tell him this is your last one and only warning I'm going to give you. And I said, the next time, I'm calling in mom and dad and aunt and grandma and grandpa. <laughs> I'm going to call a whole bunch of <laughs> you. Know, and he's, he's not even 16 yet. But, uh, you know, hopefully that will put some fear of God in him and, and fear of family in him, and he'll, he'll decide that he, he shouldn't talk back like that. You know, that's no way. And it wasn't to me, but it was to, to staff. And I, we don't want that. That's, we, we don't want to teach our young men and women. We don't want them to be smart Alex. I just had a, an owner of a business talk to me yesterday. And he's looking for somebody. And I told him, well, I have somebody. I actually have a couple of somebodies. But uh, he started telling me what the qualifications were and why the job was open to begin with. You know, and I think about the qualities that our young people are taught coming up here in the academy and how that they can, can be valuable to an employer. You know, I often tell about we had somebody that went for a job as a housekeeper and uh, they, they went for a day and the people were going to see, give them, you know, a tryout. And uh, so when the individual went to the laundry room to do the laundry, uh, and pulling out, you know, pants get inside out, the man's jeans or whatever, and a quarter fell out on the ground and clink, clink, clink. And so she picked up the quarter and she put it right there on the laundry table and she went about her business. And when it, the end of the day came and the, the, the man of the house came home, he went right to the laundry room. And he found that quarter sitting right there. And he turned to her and he said, you're hired. He said, you're an honest woman. And I've told our young people, that's one of the big things you've got in your favor because we raise honest people around here, honest people. And I said, you see a penny, you don't take it. It doesn't belong to you. You know that. Okay, lots of things like that. So we have a lot of good things to hopefully characteristics, godly characteristics that will help us to get good jobs. Everybody said amen. And to me, good jobs are defined by you don't miss church. I wonder why I feel that way. <laughs> Everybody said hallelujah. <laughs> well, I, as a matter of fact, we just had one individual that has a good job, and uh, they wanted her to go for some training, though, and it would require wearing pants. And she said, no can do. She said, I'll put leggings on under my skirt, but I'm not wearing pants. And they said, well, that's not good enough. She said, well, I'm not doing it. I don't do that. So they backed down. And that, without even having to say it's against my religious conviction, they just backed down on it. Evidently, the lady had a pretty good attitude. And I, when I got told, I said, yeah, that's, that's, that's not negotiable. There, there's no option for that. We're not having any, anything to do with that. We'll, we'll just pray and get another job if we have to. But uh, thankfully, God intervened and everything was okay. You know, um, maybe I ought to preach on stand your ground. Isn't that a, a Florida law now? 
protect what's yours, you know. Stand your ground. Get on the rock and hold your position. And everybody said, Amen. <laughs> All right. You know, I grant you, Jesus said, He that heareth my sayings and doeth them, he's like a person that dug deep and built his foundation on a rock and built that house. And then when the verses, the one that didn't do, didn't hear, didn't believe, didn't do, and without a foundation, just, you know, I flip it on and on, I do it my way, and built without a foundation. And, and when the storm came and hit both places, well, the one that was founded on the rock, it stood. So get on the rock and cling to it. Hold on to it. Hold on to these precepts, these ordinances, these teachings, to the faith. Hold on to it. Everybody said amen. Don't let go. I had a preacher tell me one time, he said that, you know, the Bible said, um, gold and silver and precious metal, and then it said wood, hay, and stubble. He said, now some people are always going to be wood, hay, and stubble. He said, but if I could just keep them connected and on the rock. Well, that's true. That's true. You know, it's kind of like, this is as far as I go, and I go no further. I'm not letting go of the rock. I'm not going to be separated. Aren't we convinced? Aren't we taught in the Bible that nothing shall separate us? Nothing shall separate us. Well, let me tell you, the devil's got a lot of tricks. And so you better put on the whole armor of God that you can withstand his tricks, his wiles. Well, let's read on real quick. Watching that clock. It's ticking away. It does that. Maybe I could pull the battery, huh? Okay. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> if um, he, he did say uh, very plainly here that he had those that did not bow. At this present time, there's an election of grace and so on and so forth. And uh, so God gave, you know, if you don't want to believe truth, then God will let you believe a lie. So in this case, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see. They're not seeing it right. Ears that they should not hear. They're not hearing it right unto this day. And David said, and I went through all that, let, you know, and he said, have they stumbled that they should fall? Question, God forbid. But rather through their fall, you're watching subject, man, you're watching the word fall, and through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. In other words, okay, you think the church is so bad, and you think everybody this, and the devil just makes all that kind of argument, all that kind of hostile attitude, and all that junk, and, and people just go off, and they think everybody's going to go, and everybody doesn't go, and the church goes on, the church moves on, new people come in, and so on and so forth. That, hopefully, is going to provoke somebody to a little bit of jealousy. It's going to wake them up a little bit. Like uh, they told me that, that on the job now, some of the jobs... They're teaching how to use a defilibrator. If you somebody has a heart attack, how to give them a good shock, bring them back to life, you know. Get them all, all shook up. <laughs> get the heart going again, you know, the natural heart going again. Okay. So I'm saying, you know, God's saying, okay, I can send some shock your way, and maybe it'll wake you up. Everybody said hallelujah. Because I'm telling you right now, the church has been going on for almost 2,000 years, plus or minus, and honey, it's going to keep right on going till Jesus comes back as a thief in the night and catches it away. Amen and amen and amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Well, moving right along. So he said, but rather through their fall, the Jews' fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles. Okay, now if the fall, there's that word again, of them be the riches of the world. 
and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles or the anything that's not Jewish. How much more their fullness? Talking about the Jews. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify mine office. That's right. It's not about the individual. It's about the godly gift and the office of the ministry. If by any means I may provoke to emulation or jealousy them, or or I'd like what one person said, uh, uh, stress can be a positive thing. It could get you up out of the bed in the morning. You know, a little stress. You know, we could do it. So, you know, maybe we can find something positive in it. So, if by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, Paul said, and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them, in other words, the fall of them, the casting away of them, the diminishing of them, these are all the terms he used here. So if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, and that's what we're preaching on this morning, teaching on the reconciliation. What shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? And for if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, the Gentiles, thou, the rest of the world, being a wild, those that come out of the world and into the church through the born again experience, thou being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the natural olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. You, you might want to remember, you know, where your roots are at. You might want to keep some of that in mind. Be thankful, be appreciative. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. That, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, don't get the big head, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. Now, I, I want to see the goodness of God. I'm not wanting to beat down. I hope you feel that way. You know. Okay. So, the goodness versus the severity of God on them which fell. Severity on them which fell, severity. But toward the goodness. In other words, the Jews got the axe because of their unbelief, because of their hostile attitude. They got the axe. They were broken off. Unbelief just took them. But towards everybody else came goodness because they were believing. And Jesus foretold of that. He basically said, you're going to be going out while the others are coming in. He said, you know what to do and you won't do it. And you won't even tell them how to do it. Okay. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief. That's right. God's saying, I want to reconcile you. I want all of you. I want both Jews and Gentiles. I want it as big a harvest as I can get in here. I had a bank president ask me the other day. He said, how's the, how's the saving business going? This is going good. He said, you save everybody? I said, well, that's a pretty big, pretty big order there. 
I, I think we'll leave that in God's hands. You know. I felt like saying, suppose we start with you. And I have witnessed to him more than once. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, they wake up and start believing, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. So we're going to stop there because I know that just keeps going on forever. But it's a good forever. So if you want to read a little bit about the Jews versus the Gentiles, Romans 9, 10, 11 is good, good fertile ground to cover. Everybody said hallelujah. Talking to you about reconciliation. I have more scriptures, but I'm, I'm going to hold off on them for now. I don't want to, you know, really get bogged down here. But... Uh, you know, the Lord is wanting everybody to come back to him. Whether it's your first time. You know, we had one sister in Miami that uh, she came, she would come to revivals. And when the revival was over, after the revival, she was all over the place. Shouting, screaming, hollering, speaking in tongues, dancing all over the place. Revival was over. She was gone. Wouldn't see her till the next revival. And she went in and out so many times. But, you know, one time she stuck. She finally stuck. Behold the goodness of God. God wants to reconcile. God wants to bring back. You know, no doubt God knew, surely he did know something about her heart. And every case is different. There's other people that they didn't get that time in and time again, time in, time again. It didn't go that way. Okay? But, uh, you know, I know of a woman that was in the water, standing in the water to be baptized. And just before getting put down in Jesus' name, she jumped out of the water and she said, no, no, no. And she went and changed back into her clothes and out of her baptismal garment and got in her car and drove off. And a week later, she died. A week later, she died. I've known of others who get baptized, get the Holy Ghost, and a week later die. Now, you figure out which case you want to be. Now, I don't think that's, I think that's a no-brainer. You know, that's a no-brainer. And it is appointed unto people once to die, everybody. And after that, the judgment. So let's, uh, let's tell ourselves what the Bible said. Since, since God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing, not accounting, not putting it on their account, their trespasses, their sins, and hath committed unto us, the church, the word of reconciliation. We're ambassadors of Christ. Okay, we read all this in the beginning. And he said, be ye reconciled. God. Good advice. Be ye reconciled to God. What a beautiful opportunity everybody has. Everybody has. And believe me, I'm for everybody. I want the best for everybody. I want everybody to be 
living for God, happy, healthy, strong, full of peace, not alienated, not cut off, not foreigners, but to be in the family of God, in the body of Christ. Everybody said amen. I know that there are porters. I know that there are those that they just open the gates and say, come over here, come over here, come over there. We actually had a woman one time that said, you wouldn't believe how many churches are bidding. Well, gee, I didn't know things went up for bid, but they were bidding for them. And she actually stuck her tongue out at Senior Sister Felton. And she was above 40 years of age. She wasn't a kid. Though she was acting like a child. But you know, God had mercy. We patiently reconciled her. She went through some tragedy in her life. But happy to say that when it came time to go, we were able to send her up in the right direction, under the blood. Everybody said, praise the Lord. That's what we do. We reconcile people. We get people back to God when they get hardening of the arteries and the blood gets cut off and they're drifting away. And We get them back to the rock. The rock is safe. The rock is secure. The rock is, is Jesus. And they followed that rock, the Bible said, and it said that rock was Christ. And they, that happened because they were following Moses. Everybody said amen. So the church is helping people to get reconciled and to follow leadership and to earnestly contend for the faith so that they can continue in the faith. Not hit and miss, not on and off, you know, but that they can get consistent. Let's stand together. God love your heart. Reconciliation, being brought back to God. To, to wit or since God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Spirit was in flesh, bringing the world through the cross back to the Spirit, wiping out the sins, the trespasses, getting rid of all the junk, all the dirt, getting rid of that, putting your whole life under the blood. God's saying, I'll get rid of it, and I will, I'll, your account will be all settled. Frankly, forgive you. Terminology the word the Bible used, and I'll, I'm not going to remember anything against you. We're going to go forward in Jesus' name. Everybody said Amen. We love you. We appreciate you. Let's take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands. We're going to sing and worship. I love you, Jesus, and I praise your holy name. Oh God, I need your glory, your peace, your love, your compassion. I pray that you'll remove every spirit that agitates, brings hostility, confuses minds and hearts. Oh God. I pray for your love to be strong in our lives, oh God. Wrap your arms around us. Thank you, Jesus, for the truth of heaven. Thank you, dear God. Let's worship him, shall we?